This episode of the MGMA podcast is brought to you by Walmart Business. It's the Walmart you love, now for business. Get everything you need for your staff and patients in one place. Enjoy big savings on health and safety products, cleaning supplies, over-the-counter medications, and much more. And don't forget the break room snacks. Create a free account today and start shopping at business.walmart.com. That's business.walmart.com. From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. Doctors, they felt a calling to go into medicine and they want to feel joy in their job, but we know 50% experience burnout. And we know that when they're experiencing burnout, they're twice as likely to make a medical error over the next six months. And we know that patients want to feel connected and well taken care of by their doctors, but they feel like there's a computer stuck in between the doctor and the patient. And so if you can solve for how do we heal this relationship between the doctor and the patient by implementing a technology that allows the doctor to put 100% focus on the patient, then I think that's really powerful. That's Dr. Jared Pello talking about the intersection of the doctor-patient relationship and the role that technology can play improving the communication there. We'll hear more from Dr. Pello in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors. MDVIP is dedicated to providing life-changing, personalized, preventative care so members can lead healthier and more vibrant lives. Visit their website at mdvip.com to learn more about how their primary care model can improve your group's patient and physician satisfaction while generating consistent revenue for your practice. Go to mdvip.com. It's all about you this fall. Accelerate your path to medical practice leadership. Be empowering, be influential, be exceptional, be a leader. Join us in San Diego, October 24th through the 27th at the Medical Practice Excellence Leaders Conference. Or join us for our digital experience, November 16th through the 18th. Visit mgma.com MPE21 and register today. Our guest today is Dr. Jared Pello. Dr. Pello is Chief Clinical Product Officer at Nuance Healthcare, where he helps lead the Ambient Clinical Intelligence Team. Dr. Pello's passion is the intersection of technology and healthcare. He has a deep understanding of complex systems and artificial intelligence, and he looks to create solutions that make healthcare more functional and efficient. Dr. Pello, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Now, you are currently Chief Clinical Product Officer of Ambient Clinical Intelligence at Nuance Healthcare. Uh, first, I do have to ask, what is ambient clinical intelligence? What do we mean by that? Yeah, so, um, you know, this, this kind of journey began for me. I was a medical director in a rural hospital in Virginia, 
And I saw my doctors stuck on their computers and started just thinking, I got to help solve this problem. It had been a problem for a long time, right? Especially since the High Tech Act and the ACA and everybody moved to EHRs. And so in 2014, I started a startup. And for three years, I ran that startup and in 2017 became a part of Nuance Communications. And what that startup did was we kind of started with this ambient idea. Could we record doctors and patients talking? At that time, it was just a service. It was a person on the other end. Now, ambient clinical intelligence with Nuance Communications, you know, we joined uh, Nuance in 2017. By 2019, uh, well, I guess it was actually 2020, February 2020, the worst timing ever to launch a product. We launched Dragon Ambient Experience, which is the kind of headliner product for ambient clinical intelligence the ability to ambiently record a doctor and a patient conversation and then use AI to build out the documentation for the physician with the goal, can you allow doctors and patients to connect and have a really great relationship and take care of all the clerical work that needs to happen on the back end using AI? Okay. Okay. That Thanks for clarifying. Now, I've used Dragon before. I've had that uh probably not on the medical version of it, but uh, just the regular consumer version of it to transcribe things. So it's been very helpful. It's amazing. It picks up my Southern accent and uh, just <laughs> records, you know, transcribes it. So uh, that's been very helpful for me. So um, offline, you were telling us that this new, this chief clinical product officer role is um, at least the, in title, it's new to you. So Give us an idea of that role. What have you been doing and uh, what's your primary focus there? Yeah, I think one thing that makes Nuance uh, really kind of unique in the technology landscape is the focus on clinical knowledge. So one thing that Nuance has prided itself in for many years is having a bunch of physicians that work there that can bring clinical knowledge to bear on you know, clinical workflows, how's this best gonna work with billing and coding or with other compliance issues. If CMS comes out with new rules like they did at the beginning of this year, how's this best gonna work with those rules? And so my role is really to bring together you know, this ambient clinical intelligence, this idea we came up with years ago and then enabled more with AI technology by uh, nuance. And then how can you bring that together with that clinical knowledge and making sure that you never lose track of, it needs to be clinically relevant, helpful, and useful in the clinical space, not just because it's a great technology, but because it actually knows healthcare. Okay. Now I know this is bad podcasting because I can see you, we're on video, but the uh, people listening, it'll be audio. I'm looking behind you and you've got some of the periodic table back there. <laughs> What's I think of Breaking Bad now when I see the <laughs> periodic table, but what all, is that spelling out anything or is there any rhyme or reason to what I'm looking at behind you? Yeah, my, my periodic table is actually the, uh, the values at Nuance Communications. Ah, okay. And so each one of those, each one of those represents, you know, either fail fast and forward or own it or one of our, one of our core values. Okay. It's interesting. What you just said, fail fast or fail forward. I, I was in a leadership meeting either Thursday or Friday of last week, and that terminology came up to me as well. Tell me, I, I know this wasn't anything we were going to talk about, but I do want to ask you about 
failing forward or failing fast. What are you getting at when you say that? What, is that? what does that mean? Yeah, it means you make decisions rapidly. You're not just like sitting around talking, thinking about what's the best idea, but you make a decision, you get it in the hands of customers, and then they tell you. They tell you like, did you fail? And can you iterate and learn and, and, or, you know, what needs to happen? So for example, one thing we started testing this year uh, was, could we start testing our AI draft notes directly to a physician? And uh, our goal was super ambitious. We wanted to do it, you know, straight out of the box AI. And what we found out is that we really need people to use Dragon Ambient Experience as it is today with a quality check on the back end. They need to use that for some period of time to train the system before the draft notes get high enough quality to uh, get to the physicians. And so you'd, you could say we failed because our goal was let's figure out how to do this without any quality review check. And, uh, but I would say we failed fast and forward. We failed on that first goal, but we ended up at a place where we have this plan of building something super scalable that you know, healthcare systems will be able to purchase and give all their physicians this ability to take care of patients without worrying about documentation. Right, and if I'm hearing you right, what it's getting at is organizationally allowing the workforce to be innovative, to take chances, right? So we're not yeah. rigidly going, oh my gosh, if I screw up, I'm gonna lose my job or get demoted or something, but it's allowing people, hey, sometimes you may fail, but we're giving you some, some space here to do that because some of those aren't gonna be failures and you're gonna knock it out of the park. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'll take you to healthcare. I, I just read Adam Grant's new book, Think Again, which is a, a great book. And he talks about, you know, looking at medical errors and psychological safety. And in the healthcare realm, what they found was if a team felt psychologically safe, the reported number of medical errors was higher. And so you could assume, oh, there's more medical errors in a psychologically safe environment. But actually, when you go a step deeper and you look at who has better outcomes, the ones reporting more medical errors, the ones where it's more psychologically safe have better patient outcomes. It's because they're willing to say, I failed fast, I failed forward, and they're willing to raise their hand. So I think that's exactly right. You have to create an environment where people feel comfortable taking risks. And it's risky to say, hey, I messed up, but we need that in healthcare. We need the ability to say, hey, I messed up. Okay, thank you for the book uh, selection. Adam Grant is terrific about organizational behavior and organizations. And we've started a book club here at MGMA. And so, hey, this may be our next book to read, so. There you go, it's a great one. All right. Um, in reading about you and doing some research for this interview, I learned that one of your great passions is the intersection of technology and healthcare. Um, talk about that. What we have here is an industry where we found success of that intersection and um, where are we still on that life cycle? Where is there room still to grow and evolve? Yeah, I think those in medicine, we know we've got a ways to go still that kind of, the more commercial space, like look at the airline industry or, you know, some other commercialized space where technology is really deep and, and just kind of runs through it. I mean, we're used to ordering something on Amazon. We could have it at our door in two hours. Like, right. and, and 
it's so common that it's it's lost to us that there's a miracle happening there in logistics and technology and all those types of things. And so as healthcare organizations, I think we have to be honest with ourselves. We got a long way to go. Like in hardware, it's amazing. We do we do surgery with robots. In IT, we're we're lagging behind and we gotta catch up. And so uh, you know, one of the things that I think is really cool about nuanced communications is we've built these solutions in industry, you know, for Delta, for American Express, for Fidelity, like we've built these solutions and now we're bringing them into healthcare. Now that healthcare is actually ready and open to it, we're able to kind of bring this in and leverage it. And I think it's an exciting time in healthcare. I think we're at a tipping point where dollars are becoming available. The EHRs are becoming much more sophisticated. They're starting to be a little bit more open on the interoperability. Of course, some of that is driven from legislation, but some of it is just from partnerships. You know, the EHR is just realizing like, we can't solve every problem in healthcare on an IT basis, but we can partner with other great companies and solve a lot of things. So I think it's a super exciting time in healthcare and in innovation and IT and healthcare. Okay. So nuance is, is just closely identified with artificial intelligence. They're that great ability and uh, technology that they're using with the voice technology. I've probably watched and read too many science fiction uh, stories. So I, where are we in the life cycle of AI? What's going on there? What do we have to worry about down the road as they, uh, you know, start taking over? But what's what's going on right now with AI and, and in the future here? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll often tell people, I feel like, you know, there was the promise of AI, you know, Watson won Jeopardy and we're like, you know, it was training in medicine. And I remember I was in medical school and I was like, oh, I'm not going to have a job. Like I'm going to graduate and I'm not going to have a job because Watson's going to figure out how to take care of patients better than me. <laughs> um, so that was the hype cycle. Right. And I think, you know, when the Internet first came out, we all wanted to watch videos over the Internet. And we remember those painful, you know, dial tones and waiting for videos to load. And I mean, I remember five years ago trying to watch sports streaming on the internet and it was terrible. Mm -hmm. And now I stream all my sports and I don't realize that it's any different than, you know, watching from cable. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're getting to a tipping point with AI um, where we're getting to where AI is gonna become really useful and really amazing that the promises of AI are gonna start to just come one after another. And the cool thing about uh, DAX, Dragon Ambient Experience or Ambient Clinical Intelligence, is you tell a doctor about it and they say, I had that idea 20 years ago. <laughs> and you know, that, you know that it's a good idea when everybody's had it. Like everybody has thought, I just want something to listen and write my documentation for me. Like who hasn't thought that? Uh, even when you might have a meeting at work, you're like, it would be really cool if somebody summarized this meeting for me and put it in bullet points. And so, uh, I mean, you can go back to Star Trek and watch them talking to the computer. Like right. this idea has been around forever, but what's exciting is we're finally getting to that point where the promise of AI is catching up with the reality 
of AI. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a really exciting time. What's the next thing you think will happen with AI or you would like to see happen? I know you guys are working with it a lot. It may be, you know, with you or outside of you guys in healthcare, um, whether that's robotics working even more closely in the clinical side, or if it's more just streamlining and organizing and, and intuitively, you know, being able to organize different aspects of uh, patient records or whatever it might be. I think what's, what's exciting is we have so much data and what gets me excited is we've been capturing the data for a while and there may be things that we're able to learn that we can start implementing right away. So I'll give you an example. I was, I was meeting with the doctor. Uh, she's a leader of an OB uh, clinic and she was saying, you know, I want AI to solve, when should I do a C-section? When should I take this woman to C-section? And they have years of tracings. So where they put the monitor on the outside of the woman's belly and they're tracing the uterus contractions. Mm -hmm. And they also have years of blood gas after the baby is born. Because sometimes they take that woman to C-section and the baby comes out screaming happy, wasn't under any distress. And other times they wait, they wait, they take it to C-section, they take the woman to C-section and the baby comes out a little limp. Mm -hmm. and they want to know like which ones are the right ones when do i go at the right time and so that to me is an exciting example of we've been gathering data for years can we start putting that data the tracing data with the blood gas data and start giving predictive values to clinicians to say hey you really need to pay attention now and it's not just gut feeling mm -hmm. you know because mm -hmm. so often in medicine it has become an art form where sometimes that's great, but sometimes we have data that can teach us better. And we've learned this with decision rules over the years is we've implemented more and more decision rules for clinicians who've seen better outcomes. And so I think AI is just gonna help us in some of those nuanced ways where you can't find those easy decision rules, but we're able to parse out really interesting insights. Now, I may be off. There may not be able to do the tracings and the blood gas and figure out when to take a woman to C-section. But to me, it's all those different times of opportunities across specialties, across patients, even down to a real personal level for patients, maybe monitoring things at home. I think there's just huge abilities that AI can handle that as human beings, we just can't handle that much data. Mm -hmm. When you first started thinking about entering healthcare, were you this integrated and interested in technology? Or is this something that once you were on the healthcare side, you went, oh my gosh, I can see the tools and the, the benefits of, of utilizing technology. It was really the latter. It was really becoming more and more part of healthcare and just seeing a gap and just thinking, you know, the, there are so many problems to solve that we can solve with technology. And as a physician, I find that lots of time physicians have the answers, but it's really hard to leave practicing medicine. Um, it's, you know, you go to training for a long time <laughs> to practice medicine. And at this point, I haven't practiced for the last two years. I practiced for seven years after my residency. And at points, 
I mean, that's a little painful for me to say, like, I spent so much time training to do that thing and I'm not doing it. That being said, I feel like I'm able to leverage that knowledge and hopefully bring more change to the world than I could have by taking care of the 40,000 patients I was going to take care of over my career. I'm hoping that the advances we can make will be more impactful than that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I just was always interested in where the, you know, the learning and the interest come from and what came first there. So you and I met a while back through some webinars that we worked on together. One that recently uh, was broadcast was it's, you presented there and it was titled Improving the Patient Physician Experience to Increase Engagement. That webinar is currently on demand on mgma.com. Um, I will be providing a link to our listeners. If you do want to access that, you can get some continuing education credits. You can go take a deep dive into that topic. But for the purposes here, give us a snapshot. What was that about? What's some main uh, takeaways you'd want somebody to learn from that program? So I would say the main takeaway is there's so many problems to solve in medicine, right? And uh, if you can kind of narrow it down and say, I'm going to solve this one problem, but I think this one problem solves a lot of other problems, then I would say it is the breakdown of the doctor-patient relationship. And what I mean by that is doctors, they felt a calling to go into medicine and they want to feel joy in their job, but we know 50% experience burnout. And we know that when they're experiencing burnout, they're twice as likely to make a medical error over the next six months. And we know that patients want to feel connected and well taken care of by their doctors, but they feel like there's a computer stuck in between the doctor and the patient. And so if you can solve for how do we heal this relationship between the doctor and the patient by implementing a technology that allows the doctor to put 100% focus on the patient, then I think that's really powerful. And the cool thing that we've seen with implementing DAX over the last year and a half is we've seen kind of from an operational efficiency side, doctors are saving seven minutes per patient. So seven minutes of time per patient, if they saw you know, 20 patients in a day, they're saving 140 minutes that they can use in other ways. And many times it's just focusing more on the patient in the room. Uh, from a physician experience side, we've seen a 70% decrease in feelings of burnout, hmm. which is huge, especially when you start thinking about down the line medical errors and other things that come with burnout. And we've also seen that 79% of physicians feel like the documentation that DAX produces is higher quality than their own, which means, you know, as we think about data, doesn't mean that we're capturing more data and that in the future we'll be able to leverage that data better and more usefully. And then from a patient point of view, we've seen over 80% of patients that have their doctors using DAX say that their doctors are more conversational, more focused, and more invested in taking care of them. And so when I think about, you know, how does AI solve for that doctor-patient relationship, it's really how do you implement an AI technology that allows the doctor to act like a doctor and for the patient to feel like the doctor cares? And I think that's what, that's the mission of DAX is to really heal that relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you have a case study of a practice that's implemented it and they have 
seen it work firsthand and I don't know, is there anything anecdotal? You, you provided some great statistics on it. I'd want to know anecdotally what that might sound like. Yeah, you know, um, we, we have lots of, lots of great case studies. One, one of my favorite, of course, is Wellspan Healthcare up in Pennsylvania. They did their own survey. They, they said, hey, Nuance, you guys are great, but we're not going to trust you to, to always give us the right data. Um, and so they did their own survey, which we love. We love it when people are a little bit cynical and say, we're going we're gonna to test this on our own. And so they, they asked their patients, what do you think? Are your, are your physicians more engaged with you? And it was like 80% said, yes, our, your physicians are more engaged now that they're using this technology. And then, um, you know, some of the other things we've seen is we've seen clinicians and what I'll usually tell administrators is administrators want to use that seven minute savings per patient visit right away. They want to say, okay, I'm going to add patients to this doctor. Mm-hmm. And what I tell them is, you know what, just be patient, let your doctor find joy in practicing medicine and they're going to come back to you and ask for more patients. And we've seen that over and over again, where if, if a physician starts using DAX, they start ending their day a half hour early and they don't necessarily want to end their day a half hour early. They want to end it on time. And they used to be ending it two hours late. And so they go back to their administrators and they say, Hey, I think I could take two more patients every day. Okay. And they start adding patients. And what I think is cool about that is with the pandemic, we know that healthcare systems have been stretched to the breaking point. And we know that we have this physician shortage. And so if we can make physicians more, you know, more efficient with the ability to see more patients, then we start fighting back against that physician shortage. Mm-hmm. We start having, you know, not necessarily a physician shortage, but a utilization problem with physicians where we're using them for clerical work, which was never the purpose. It was never the purpose of Cerner or Epic or any of the other EHRs. They never wanted to make physicians clerics, but they just wanted to capture the data. And so what I think is really cool is now the partnerships with the EHRs and Nuance to really solve those issues and make it so providers can, you know, be efficient, take care of their patients. So all sorts of really cool stories like that. I've had, you know, wives reach out on Valentine's Day and say they want to send flowers because uh, they finally had their husbands back. Um, we've had we've had clinicians say they want to practice another ten years. They were just about to retire. Um, so all sorts of cool anecdotes mm-hmm. of physicians being much happier. Oh, that's great. Um, you also talked about uh, several of the benchmark statistics that you've already provided. Are there certain KPIs that either nuance studies or you recommend that practices study to make sure things are working, they are progressing in the way that they want them to, or they can go back and tweak some other things to even raise those numbers higher? Yeah, absolutely. And we work with our clients just client by client on what is it that they want? What are they solving for? Are they solving for a patient dissatisfaction problem? Are they solving for a recruiting problem? You know, we go into competitive spaces, you know, big cities where one health system is adopting DACs because they've been losing providers to other healthcare systems. Or, 
we go into clinics where they have a hard time retaining their physicians and they implement DACs. And now we have clinicians saying, if you ever get rid of DACs, I'm gonna leave this practice. Um, and so I think there are kind of these KPIs. It depends on what it is, what do you wanna solve for? What is the problem that you have? But at the core of it, kind of like I was pointing out before, there is that, if you solve that doctor-patient relationship, the experience for the doctor, the experience for the patient, if you can solve for that with the right AI technology, then there's all sorts of cool things you can track. You know, how many patients per day, um, you know, are your billing levels going up or down, all the, all sorts of different things you can track for. And we help our, help our clients track for those things. Okay. A final question, and you may have already answered it, but you talked about uh, providers seeing that they're finishing maybe even 30 minutes earlier in the day, they can see additional patients that's bringing in more money. And that's what I want to ask you about. In a previous correspondence, you told me that uh, DAX and other platforms like this can provide, you know, better financial outcomes. Is that the impact that it's making, being able to see more patients? Are there other ways that there's a financial outcome that's created a better experience there as well? Yeah, I would say where DAX is focused right now, we're in the ambulatory space. And so the ambulatory space, especially with the CMS rules for 2021, became much more simple as far as what do you need for billing and coding, which is the right move, 100%. We need to simplify how we keep track of what a physician is doing. And so what I'd say is it really at this point is what is the capacity of your clinician? Can they see more patients? That's the easiest way to, to make that financial ROI work out. The second way is, as I kind of said, 79% say their documentation is a higher quality level using DACs. And so if you are sending off your uh, documentation to a billing specialist, then you should also see an ROI from that point of view as well. But the main thing is really, it's a time saver and how you leverage that time, whether it's, you know, I just wanna make my physicians happy. If they ask for more patients, great. If they don't, no problem, they're happy. Or I really wanna maximize our efficiency and add a couple more patients per physician per day, then there's different ways to leverage that time. All right. Well, Dr. Pello, it's great always catching up with you. And thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks, Daniel. This has been fun. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Jared Pello. Also, thanks to MDVIP and to MGMA Leaders Conference for sponsoring this week's show. You can go to mdvip.com to learn more about how their primary care model can improve your group's patient and physician satisfaction while generating consistent revenue for your practice. Also, if you want to accelerate your path to medical practice leadership, join us in San Diego, October 24th through the 27th at the Medical Practice Excellence Leaders Conference or join us for our digital experience November 16th through the 18th. Visit mgma.com mpe21 and register today. If you like the show, 
please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks. The popular buzzword we've been seeing everywhere is AI. But what we all want to know is how we can implement and use it to our advantage. When it comes to improving margins, accelerating cash flow, and optimizing staff performance, There's a one-stop shop using cloud-based predictive analytics. MGMA Analytics is your AI-enabled tool that upscales technology you've already been paying for, so you can silo your disparate systems and make data-backed business decisions. Visit mgma.com slash analytics and see how AI can revolutionize your finances in operations. Again, visit mgma.com slash analytics today.